0: Wicked Cool. Feature alert. Hey there, podcast fans. Thanks for listening. Now, you can also reach out and send me a text message. On every episode at the top of the show notes, you'll see a link that says, Send us a text message. Simply click it, write something super nice and sweet, and away we go. Also remember to please subscribe, share this podcast with a friend by telling them about it, and leave us a positive review, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcast streaming service, or even on our website at www.afraidofnothingpodcast.com.
1: I get very angry at that demon, but they do. The, the demons, the, it's their energy. It, just, it makes me angry that they think that they have authority or dominion over somebody's body because they don't. And so you have to show them that you've taken that authority away from them, that this person that they are in isn't okay with that, that they don't want it. They want you gone. And you just have to keep wearing away at them until they're all gone. Most of them, I don't I don't think I've ever done one that had just one demon in them. I, I'm not even sure that that's possible to have just one demon. What's the, but, uh, uh,
0: what's the most demons you've gone up against that you were able uh, to deceive?
1: Yeah, I, I want to say, and I'm—I I, I know I got to be close. If it's not correct exactly, I believe it was six legion in one one person. And a uh, legion is described as being anywhere from from uh, three thousand to six thousand. That
0: doesn't sound like a fair fight. Speaking of fair fights, boy, it was a fight putting together this show. I had all sorts of computer problems. I was well into the first edit. Then all of a sudden, the quality, for some weird reason got bad. It was very staticky and not very good. All of a sudden, the quality, even though it was the session before I sat down to work on it. So I tried to run it through and see if I could clean it up. To my chagrin, it didn't work. Then I tried to download the Zoom call again. And when I saved it and put it into Audacity, it wouldn't recognize the file. There was some weird encode thing. So then I went Onto to YouTube to try to get a video on how to get that codec. And it got a weird message that said, you know, restart your computer. <laughs> it's weird. So I did. And then I was able to get this version of Bishop Rita Stregala on it for the audio. And hopefully it'll work out great and you enjoy the show. So... Every time I do a show about the demonic, there's always some weird EVPs. And I, quite frankly, I think as you listen to this, there were a couple places where there's some weird sounds. I didn't know what they were. So interested if you get back to me and if you hear anything and, uh, yeah, great episode. Take a listen and took a lot of work to get here, but it was worth it. So, uh, great guest Bishop Rita Stragala. I think you're really going to like her. In a world where nothing is known, nothing is certain, reality is not real. Wake Wake up! up! Be afraid of nothing. I'm Bob Heskey. Robert. The host... With the ghost. This is my podcast based on my paranormal documentary, Afraid of Nothing. Each episode, we talk to people who see life and the afterlife through a different lens. Join me. Who is this large man? And what's he doing in our bedroom? As we lift the veil and open our minds to see beyond our eyes lie. This is is afraid of nothing. I am here with a person I have been really looking forward to talking to since I saw her on television. I am here with Bishop Rita Strugala. Bishop Rita, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Bishop Rita, you know, on the Travel Channel, there's Eli Ross' Legion of Exorcists, and it showcases six exorcists, which each share their stories and past cases about encounters with demons. You're the lone but, woman on the panel. What was that like to be the lone woman? And, and what are the other exorcists on the panel like?
1: Well, um, at first, you know, I didn't really know. I, I didn't realize until I got there that I was going to be the only woman on the panel. But that's fine. We all just got along very well from the minute, first minute we met. There was like no egos, which is what I love. There's no egos, nothing like that. All that stuff's hung at the door. And, and we were there to support one another. And it, it worked out very well.
0: Did you know any of them before the, the series? Or did you just meet them on set?
1: I had seen Bishop Long in a couple of, uh, of different TV shows before, but I had never met him. I've never spoken with him. The other ones, I did not know at all. And uh, we met, actually met the uh, producer of the show. He got us a Zoom meeting together about a week before we flew out to Los Angeles to shoot the, the show. That's when we got to meet each other was on the Zoom call.
0: And how did they reach out to you? Was it out of the blue? Did you have to audition or did they know that they wanted you on this show?
1: No, it was kind of funny the way it worked out. I've had several people um, over the years who have wanted to do uh, a TV show or, or, you know, some kind of show. And for whatever reason, it it just didn't work out. I would ask my guides, I always ask my guides, do I need to do this? And they would always say, no, no, no. (laughs) And so I pretty much just, you know, I, it's like, I I stopped even asking. I just kind of get an email or something. I just trash it and never reply to it. And this one um, happened to be on uh, LinkedIn and I saw it, it was back by Thanksgiving, I believe it was of uh, 2020. I looked at it and it said, you know, we need, we'd really like to talk to you. We're doing this new show, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I, I waited about a week, I guess it was. And then I finally asked my guides, you know, should I talk to them? Cause I was so, so expecting to hear no. And I heard yes. And I said, Really? And they said, 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 yes. And I was like, okay. So I reached out to them and there were several series of, you got to realize this was right during COVID and all that stuff. So all uh, the interviews and stuff like that were done over a Zoom call or the telephone. That went through several of those and it took probably maybe a year or so. And then I was told that I was one of the final cast members.
0: Wow, yeah, it's really weird how these things unfold. There's a—I live in Westminster, Massachusetts. There's a really haunted house in Gardner right down the street. And in Leominster, cool. there's a place called Monsterland. And there's a guy named Ronnie LeBlanc who has written a lot of books about Bigfoot. He even has there's a brewery out there. I think he even has his Monsterland brew. And um, so there was a show called Expedition Bigfoot that's still on. Yeah. And I think the first yeah. year. One of the guys got sick, so he got called in. Now I don't know Ronnie personally. I know people that I've talked to him. I hopefully have him on the show at some point. We just haven't connected yet. But yeah, he actually, right. you know, he he does local library talks and stuff. But yeah, he he actually got a call and made a decision to do it, and he's been on it the past four years. So it's crazy how these That's things cool. unfold sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and like I like I said, I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't, I didn't jump right on it by any means. I just really didn't think that you know i don't know it it was a um do i really want to put myself out there uh you know just all that stuff that you think about and but my guides kept saying yes talk to him talk to him and uh so i did and here i am
0: (laughs) wow does each exorcist get like one show like is the focus of one show their story or how does how's the format of the show work pretty much
1: The format of the show um, it it would it depended on the stories we all had two or three different stories and it was whichever ones the channel chose that they wanted to do, and then uh, they like I had two of my cases where mine was on week one and week four, of uh, of six, so they would just kind of match mix and match them and that kind of thing. Not all the shows got were, or all the stories I should say that we uh, filmed were actually on there and that was because of time it it just you know by the time you edited and that they put two two different stories on every single week so you really have approximately 17 minutes to tell a story that probably took a year to actually wrap up yeah so that's How How did you,
0: um, the the old million dollar question is, how did you like the uh, the reenactment and the portrayal of you? I I have a you know, working on this on this podcast, and I made a documentary as well. I mean, I have a I know a paranormal producers, and I know a guy. Who has been on a couple episodes of a haunting and has been kind of been his story has been told a couple different times, you know. And it's just yeah. like it's funny. It's like oh, I was really happy with the actor; he did a great job. You know, I really thought they did it. You know, were you happy with the? I know it's the show, and you're kind of under contract, but were you happy with the kind of the portrayal of it? Did you feel it was realistic enough?
1: Um, it, it was fine. I think what happened with mine was the the same actor was supposed to play me in both of the in both of the um, episodes the first actress she came back to do the second one she had done the first one she came back to do the second one and she tested for for covid Ugh. so she had to be out they had to bring somebody else in whom and and i absolutely adore this girl she she's she reached out to me right away she wanted to make sure that she wanted to portray me as best she possibly could and she really really did a good job i thought i don't think that they need to use a wig uh, I didn't care for the wig thing much, but, uh, yeah. you know, uh, but other than that, um, I mean, they did all right. I, Moving forward, if I had a say in it, which I don't, but if I did, I would ask them to kind of cut back on the reenactment some, maybe yeah. more of the round table discussion. It just seemed a bit over top to me. But then I, what do I know? I'm not an actress and I it's not my thing. So,
0: yeah.
1: you know, it just I mean, I thought it was a good, positive experience to go through for me. You know, it, it just looking at it as a viewer or whatever, I personally would think that the like, more roundtable discussion because I've heard from so many people saying, we learned so much, we wish we could have heard more in the roundtable discussions.
0: So, yeah, that's, that's funny. Some shows are good at that. There's one show called Haunted, I think, that was on Netflix where I really liked that they had, like, three series, and I keep waiting for the next ones. Year one was the best where... A person sits around, he's got like three people around him, and he, some of them know his story or her story, and some of them don't, and he talks uh-huh. about it. But a lot of, you know, see reenactment, there's a lot of them telling it and seeing the reaction, you know, of the family members right. and friends, and it's really cool. Uh, so, yeah, that's great. I I, um, I would imagine you have great hair and red hair, right? So I imagine, <laughs> yeah, to get that right has to be one of the most important things, probably, on this thing to kind of <laughs> let people know it's you. I saw her on Facebook. We connected on Facebook. And thank you so much. You're very, uh, you are very—you have great, a great sense of humor on Facebook. You have funny <laughs> memes that you have on there, a good sense of humor. And uh, you actually got back, which is really greatly appreciated. I saw a picture of you, which actually was a, several years ago, you told me before we went live, but it, it gets physical with some of these demon interactions and it can draw blood. Can you talk about a couple examples of that?
1: Sure, yeah. The one you saw the picture of, that was a, a really crazy case. As we were leaving to go to that case, the girl that does these exorcisms with me, she is basically the one that St. Michael uses and Jesus used me as his vessel. And so she always stands behind the person who is uh, possessed and she works on them from that direction and I work on them from the front. So we just kind of tag team them. On the way there, she kept saying, I don't understand what this is. She's our senior sensitive. She She picks up, everything before we ever get there. And I have also have gifts. And so I don't get my information the same way she does. So it which is cool because it makes for a bigger picture. But she kept saying I just keep seeing this man in robes. And I'm going, like, well, is he a good spirit or is he a negative spirit? She said, I can't tell. He's just really neutral. I said okay. And she said, I don't know. Maybe I'll know more when I get there. I said, okay. We get there and we're get out and normally what we do and it just happened to be that father art was with us that day this was actually a neighbor of his and uh, father billy and we were over at father arts and we do communion prior to going into an exorcism while we were doing that right afterwards Colleen said art you've got a demon in here that followed you from across the road he said i know he said we'll take care of it today I'm like, wow. Okay. So we go. <laughs> is this and- early
0: in your, is this early kind of in your baptism of. Uh, it it doing was
1: the- very, okay. yes, yes, very early. And it probably my second year doing it.
0: Right.
1: And um, so we go over there and it's like 190 degrees outside. It's August. And so it's so hot and everything. We're going around the property getting it. And Colleen keeps saying that there's that man with the robes again. And I'm like, well, who is it? She said, I don't know. He won't talk to me. I said, okay. So I just went on. I thought, whatever. We get in, we talk to the family, going through the house. We all go through and cleanse the house and everything. We got that done. And I go through afterwards with the ting shahs. And I, and it's like a bell in case you don't know what a ting shah is. And I go to every corner of every room and you ding it one time. Demons hate bells. They absolutely hate them. Hmm. And That's a lot of times, if you miss anything and that place was kind of like, I I don't want to, I don't I'm not trying to be rude by any means, um, but it was kind of like a hoarder house. So Mm. there was a lot of chaos and a lot of, a lot of clutter, which demons love. And so I wanted to make sure we got everything because there was just so much stuff. And I was in a room downstairs, all the rest of them were in the living room with the family. We're getting ready to do the exorcism. And they were just waiting on me to finish. And I went into a spare room that didn't have much in it. It was like a place where they put furniture they're not using at that time. And I went to the first corner and I dinged it. I walked over to the next corner, dinged it. I was on my way over to the third corner. And the next thing I knew, I was flying through the air, was thrown out of the room, probably four feet out of the room, head first into the wall in the hallway. Wow. And I just Jeez. yeah, I'm just on the floor going, what the heck just happened? I was kind of looking down, kind of shaking my head, like, what the what sh-? I just couldn't figure out what just happened. Did I trip? What what happened? And I thought, how can I trip? My feet weren't even on the floor <laughs> about that time. I, I just I felt like some splatter and I looked down and and there was blood dripping onto my hands, my arms. About that time, Father Billy came around the corner and he saw me on the floor over there and he said, what happened? He walks over and he kind of takes my chin and turns it up. So I'm looking at him. I'm still down on the floor and he's, he sees the blood just going down my face. And so he's yelling for a rag. And so about that time, everybody else is like, well, what's going on? And they come around the corner and Father Art come around the corner and, and he said, she just got thrown out of that room. And I it was it, it's funny. You know, I was so angry because not only did it throw me out of the room, it broke my ting shaws and I was mad. <laughs> and I, you know, it just really irritated me. And I, Father uh, Art said, Take her into the other room and we'll put some ice on her head. And he said, I'll go in and take care of this. And I remember saying, No, uh uh-uh. uh, I'm going back in there. I said, and, and let that demon think it got something over on me. Oh, hell no and
0: reminds me got, of rocky when you go in the corner and they tend to the cut and you go back out into the ring <laughs> to go yes. Fight another room.
1: yes it's like I, I don't want that demon thinking he got something over on me and Art just kind of nods to billy and it's like i've been overruled this sucks and so <laughs> billy t- took me into the other room and and i dutifully went and i sat down and he gave me some ice with the rags and put it on your head i'm gonna go help art i said okay he walks out of the room and i count to 10 the Minute I hit ten, I'm up and I'm uh, in like a shot into that room, and it was so cool because the way the timing worked out. As I walked in, Art was taking care of that demon, and it was like the last thing that demon saw was my face. And uh-huh. I'm like, yeah, okay, we're
0: good.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, we did, so we went in and started doing the exorcism, and Helene did something I've never seen her do. She's the one that works. Mike Saint Michael works through her. She's behind this person, and Father. Art is doing the exorcism. I'm taping it. And Colleen, all of a sudden, she gets this perturbed look on her face and she moves over to the left. And I thought, I've never seen her do that before. She's always right behind the person. When it got done and we were we got it all finished and everything, we're on our way back home and Colleen says, you know, I still don't understand what that man in the robes was doing. She said, he made me mad. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, during the exorcism, he told me to move. I said, he told you to move? He said, yeah. He said, said, you will be gone. I said, he told you you're going to be gone? She said, no. He told the demon you will be gone. She said, who is that man? And all of a sudden, I heard my guide say, that was St. Benedict. And I had chills from head to toe. And I said, oh, my God, Colleen. I said, that was St. Benedict. She said, but why was he there? I said, for crying out loud, he's the patron saint of exorcism. We wear his medals.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask what he was. Okay, that's, that's yeah. wild. That's wild.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so, anyway, but uh, yeah, I had a shiner for, actually both eyes turned black for about two weeks. It lasted about 10 days, I think it was. But yeah, that was my, my meeting with the wall.
0: <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, just to, to to set the audience straight about kind of perceptions and misperceptions. You mentioned you were filming it. Now, the Catholic Church doesn't usually allow that. So, let's talk about the church that you that you represent. What is the uh, Celtic Cross Communion International? What what is that? And and talk about how you became associated with it, and became a bishop, and then an exorcist. It, it's
1: it is like an umbrella. Church kind of thing. We take in um, all different. There's all different denominations that are under that umbrella. Mine, the one that I'm with, is is the Celtic Cross Old Catholic Church, which is different than the Roman Catholic Church as to how they operate. Which is why I can be a bishop or even you know hold an office in the church. Roman Catholics still won't allow women to be priests or or really hold any meaningful office in the church whereas old catholic does and they needed to have an exorcism an exorcism listen to me an exorcist excuse me but they they did not have one an exorcist and i had been with them for quite a while even before that and became a reverend at one point under a different administration with them and then um, when father patrick left Father Benny and, and uh Father Nick asked if I would if I wanted to still stay there. And if so, would I consider going with the old Catholic Church under Father Nick? And I thought about it and I thought, yeah, yeah, let's do that. So how did I you
0: did train? I am sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but usually if it's a Roman Catholic church, they go to the Rome, right? And they right. they watch exorcisms and you know, and then they're <laughs> they're thrown into the fire. I mean, how did yeah. it work for you? For me, I, I
1: okay. So be, prior to that happening, um, be, before I joined the the uh, Celtic Cross, um, I was doing paranormal investigations for 40 years. And all my cases kept get, were getting to the point where they were pushing over to the dark side constantly. And it's like, it's such a long story. Anyway, when things started to go turning towards the darkness, I did not want anything to do with the darkness. I didn't want to be anything even close to an exorcist. And that's just the truth. I That was never anything that I wanted to do. Um, if I got a case that was you know, really dark, that I really thought was demonic, I would find somebody else that I figured was qualified to handle that. That wasn't me. And I kept feeling like that, that I knew that the Lord was trying to push me in that direction. And I really didn't want to go. And there was a good year in there that every single case we had, it started out where we saw all the good things. I mean, the angels saw the the stairway to heaven, just all kinds of stuff. And then I remember Colleen looking at me and saying, You know, if we're seeing the best of the best now, at some point we will see the worst of the worst. And I'm like, Yeah, well, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that.
0: But you did. I know you said it's a long story, but there's actually it's a case like in a horse farm in Georgia or yeah. something, right? That uh, yeah. kind of turned the tide where your was, your abilities change, right?
1: That was the time when I finally said to the Lord, "Okay, I'll do it. I got it. You got my back. I'll do it." But what happened prior to that was, or no, it was actually right after that. Colleen and I did a case that uh, was awful. It was really bad. Um, we were getting ready to go up to uh, Scare Fest to have a just have a fun weekend this guy calls he's got a case going on we go there he the only reason he wanted us there was for his entertainment he had demons in him big time but he didn't want to let him go he uh pretty much enjoyed playing with him and the Ouija board so I was angry that I wasted my time on that case and I just put it out of my head didn't think no more about it afterwards it's like yeah well we're done with that dude Yeah, right. Two weeks later, I get a phone call from a bishop up in Tennessee and he's an exorcist bishop. And apparently that guy contacted him saying that I had said that he needed an exorcism and he was calling to find out what he had to do to get that. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. So I talked to this guy, told him what happened at the case and how it was a complete waste of time. And I felt like he'd be wasting his time because this guy has no intention of getting rid of his demons. He said, do me a favor. He said, would you mind writing all this up for me over the weekend and send it to me? And I said, no problem. So I did. I worked on it over the weekend and I sent it to him. And a couple of days later, he called me back and he said, I have to commend you. He said, you have down times, you have down specific everything. He said, that's really good. He said, uh, do you think you'd be interested in being my person to go to when somebody th- said, tells us that they have have a demon problem that you could go and check it out for me. And I thought about it for a while and I thought, well, yeah, I can do that because I always know I can feel the difference in the energy and stuff. And I also have the ability that when they look at me, I will see their eyes go black if they have a possession. So I said, yeah, I would do that. So that's I started out with him God rest his soul. He's he's no longer with us. I was with them for a few years, and then it was shortly after that case on the the horse farm that you were alluding to when all of a sudden, because I was I was kept saying we don't, you know, I don't have everything I need for this group. You know, we need a priest because he he was located up in Tennessee, had had a uh, double bypass. No, excuse me, more than that, quadruple by, bypass. And so he wasn't able to get around much in that. He had his health that he had to, you know, look out for. And just like that, after stating that, I think it was a week later, I met a shaman. And the weirdest thing, I'm talking to him over the internet and we're typing back and forth. And I just, I I didn't know this guy from Adam's house, cat, And I just sent him a message and I said, you know, we're supposed to work together, Right. And I'm looking at that going, why didn't I type that? And I'd already sent it. And he writes back and he said, yes. And I went, oh, my gosh. So, I mean, the Lord does things like that to me all the time. You know, he will put what I need in front of me. And that was one of them. He later, the shaman, he was fifth generation shaman. He later um, became a priest under the same bishop that I was working for doing demonic cases. And so he became, you know, one of his uh, priests under the bishop. And then uh, all of a sudden, Father Billy also just kind of fell in my lap kind of thing. And it was just wild the way it worked out that we ended up with two priests and a exorcist bishop on our team. And I studied under them. Um, I went with them to exorcisms. I helped. I assisted. So we all just worked very well together. One of them was Catholic, so he taught us how to do the Catholic right. The other one was more of a charismatic, so I, I got to learn both sides of it, which was really neat. And, I was going to um,
0: say, you know, because I have a, a guy that was in my documentary who goes to places and he casts out demons. Yeah, they have a totally different approach <laughs> than, uh, you know, the church is kind of, here's why he says it, and you tell me if I'm wrong. He says, the church is almost kind of aggressive, or I cast you out, Jesus casts you out, where he is different. They kind of put them in a bubble of love or kind of gets, raises them up to St. Michael or whatever to take them away. It's kind of a different approach. It's not as confrontational, but it's more of uh, raising the spirit out and bringing them to the light. Is that what you found? or
1: No. <laughs> no okay, wh- um, how
0: is it with a shaman?
1: Well, he basically, I mean, he would uh, um, speak in tongues, which was in the Native American, but he was the one that turned Catholic and he was trying to do them the Catholic right. And then Billy was the one that was more, he'd done it charismatic. And I did not grow up Catholic. I did not know much about Catholics. I grew up Baptist on my mother's side, Lutheran on my father's side. And when I got old enough to decide, I joined a Methodist church, and then I married a Catholic. So I'm oh. kind of like a religious mutt. And Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're,
0: being, you're being called in every direction. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh.
1: Which is kind of cool, though, because you you it really takes a lot of knowing um, different ways of doing it. I'm not going to say any of them are wrong. If it works for you, it's right. But you have to do what works for you. I can't stand up there and just read out of a Catholic missile. And, you know, the the demons sitting there laughing at me because some of the words I don't even understand what they mean. Um, I'd have to go look them up kind of thing. It just felt really stiff to me. But I have done them Catholic right. But I prefer to do them the charismatic way because it was just more what comes from your heart. They have no way of saying that that you don't mean what you're saying, or you know, trying to, to to use that against you. Because when you can connect with those words and you know what they mean, and you have conviction about them, it works. It absolutely works.
0: How do you feel when you're when you're combating? And I want to talk about the uh, spiritual warfare aspect and what mm-hmm. that involves because I heard you on another podcast saying. It's almost like a, a general that sends out his minions first and saves the oh, big definitely. the big brute for the end. So I'd love to talk about that. But how does it feel? Are you kind of like in an alternate reality where it's just you and them and everything else is gone? Or what's it like when you're confronting a demon like that?
1: I mean, I know I'm acutely aware that my team is around me, which is good because we all have our, each other's backs. I mean, 100%. So you're not there doing it alone you're there with them and they are helping you through this. There are times where, you know, it's gone on so many hours, I can hardly talk anymore kind of thing. And I, all I have to do is look at one of them and they will step in front and, and, you know, start going over the Psalms just to give me a a minute to rest, to, to get my voice back. I get very angry at that demon, not at the person that is sitting in front of me. And I will tell them immediately before we do anything. That if I'm talking to you, I will say your name. If I'm not saying your name, don't don't take anything I say harshly. Don't take it to heart. It's not aimed at you. And they're fine with that. I've never had any problem with it. But they do. That the demons. That the, it's their energy. It just it makes me angry that they think that they have authority or dominion over somebody's body because they don't. And so you have to show them that you've taken that authority away from them that this person that they are in isn't okay with that that they don't want it they want you gone and you just have to keep wearing away at them until they're all gone most of them i don't i don't think i've ever done one that had just one demon in them i'm not even sure that that's possible to have just one demon and i guess that's just because of what i've seen and maybe it's they know who they're coming towards so you know they just pile on i don't know
0: What's the but, uh, uh, what's the most demons you've gone up against that you were uh, able to yeah. deceive? Uh I,
1: I wanna say and I'm I, I know I gotta be close if it's not correct exactly. I believe it was six legion in one one person. And a uh, legion is described as being anywhere from from uh, three thousand to six thousand.
0: That doesn't sound like a fair fight. It doesn't really no. uh <laughs> <laughs> Do demons have, like, a kill shot, like in boxing, where if they get you down, your energy, like, you're you're down? Or is it just a matter of will and just kind of just blasting away? And I guess it raises a question, too. Like, you see the exorcist, right? Like, the priest takes the demon in its body and jumps out a window or whatever, right, to kill himself. Do demons ever win and 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 take the soul of a religious person or is that never the case and and i'm sorry if that's a i don't mean to make that be a sacrilegious question or blasphemy or or anything it's just my my ignorance is there are there any cases where the soul is lost to a demon or is that can't happen
1: um boy that's 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 that you know there's a lot of, of people that are debating that even right now i i don't believe that they can that they can uh take a Christian. I don't believe they can, but that's just me. It kind of also depends on the person. There had a weakness. That's how the demon got in. Whether they invited it in, you know, that way or had a weakness that the demon got in, they're there. You are then marked from then until whenever. But there are people that will sacrifice themselves to have fame, to have glory to have, you know, lots of money, um, whatever it is, if you sell your soul, then yeah, they can, Mm. then they can. Um, but as far as a person that's like doing exorcism on somebody and having it jump in you and take yours, no, I don't believe they can.
0: If you don't mind, like to step back a little bit and just go to definitions. What is a demon? You know, thinking about the entities that you hear about doing this podcast, I've done a little bit over a hundred, just over a hundred episodes. Some people Mm -hmm. believe there is no evil. It's all, it's all good. And and the evil is man-based. Some people believe there are definitely demons and there are definitely angels. Some people think angels and demons came from the same seed, but they just went different directions. What is your thought about angels and demons and even ghosts, human spirits that are bad entities, but aren't demons?
1: I believe that the demons are the fallen angels, like it says in the Bible. I do believe that. I believe that, like you, I mean, I know people that think that there's only demons, that there are not ghosts. Um, yeah, there are. There's ghosts. And yes, there are angels. And I do believe that some humans are angels. My grandmother was. And she's my guide. Once she passed, she became my guide. I had had a different guide up until that time. But but she's, she's definitely my guide. And she is an angel. It's just kind of... Whatever your belief system is, I'm not gonna say anybody's wrong or right. I I just know what works for me. I do believe, you know, what the Bible says, that that they're fallen angels. I absolutely believe that. You know, I've come up against <laughs> I've come up against the SA too many times. I call him that because I don't want to say his name out loud. I'm not trying to summon him. Mm-hmm. And same with other demons, you don't ever say their names out loud either, or they will come. And that's one of the, the things, okay, that's one of the things with the Catholic rite of exorcism that I kind of have a problem with. They are wanting you to get the name out of that demon so you can expel them. However, I know that demons are, as, as SA is the, the father of all lies. So what's to keep them from going? You go up there, you ask them what the name is of that demon, and that demon says, uh, my name is Bubba. And you start calling Bubba out and Bubba's actually waiting over here in the wings. Here's his name. And now you've summoned him.
0: Uh, yeah. God, that's so counter to what you hear. You know, it's like, ah, you told me your name, Bob, and now I can control you. It's like, nah, you know, you're saying, so can, can we just talk briefly about kind of what your process is and how it's different than maybe what you see in the movie? So, you know, how does how do you take up a case? how many people go how do you do an evaluation of if it is uh, demonic or maybe a mental illness or both and then mm-hmm. what's your crew that you bring with you to kind of get rid of to perform the ceremony and and get rid of the the demon
1: all right yeah um for me it usually starts out with either an email or or you know a phone call and usually there there's telling things to me i at the same time i'm feeling their energy as they're talking to me I can feel it even, even through the the computer and that, and they can travel through electronic devices and stuff like that, but I can feel that energy and it feels, it feels like static to me, like kind of like in the winter time when you you know, you rub your feet on the carpet and you start shocking everybody, that, yeah. kind, that kind of thing. I feel like with that, the negative energy, that's how I feel it.
0: You also mentioned, Bishop Rita, that you see their eyes become black, almost like, you know, black-eyed children. When you see that, do other people in the room see it too, or is it just something that you see, you're able to see?
1: Some people have that gift, some do not. Um, With me, it's usually a very quick flash, and I will know, and and it's weird because I will know then that they, they don't have a whole lot of them in them. But if they're possessed by a lot of demons, their eyes will go black and they will stay black. And I know. Then we are dealing with a lot. That's just just one of the things that that's one of my guests. Generally speaking, they'll start out telling me. I will ask them what exactly is going on. Um, they will be telling me things, and and I'm there's always red flags that go up when they say certain things. That's that always. I will always make a note of it, and that and and check up. Once we know what's going on with them, I can feel the energy. I have heard the, the, you know, listened for the buzzwords and things. Um, I will have them get checked out. I have a psychological eval to see if they have any, you know, any kind of mental illness or anything like that. There are some people that do that have mental health problems, but they also have demons. Then it's kind of a balancing act trying That's to figure a tough out one.
0: yeah it's like how do you deal with like someone like with dementia that has demons you know and uh, yeah. uh what do you do it's crazy yeah.
1: anyway once i know what we're dealing with um and we decide that we are going to take that case um i always ask my guides as to how many people we're going to need on this case because i don't know at the time if this is going to be a very violent person or not um more often than not i get the violent ones I will ask and, you know, sometimes they'll say three people. Well, that's not very violent then. Um, Sometimes they'll say six, seven people. And then I know to bring at least eight or nine people because, you know, their strength is incredible. It's absolutely crazy. Do you
0: have eight or nine? Do you have like a posse of, you know, people (laughs) that you bring with you that are beefy men or whatever that come with you that can help out?
1: I wish I could say that, but no, uh, I mean, we have people that have helped us before, so they know what they're doing. They know what to expect. But most of us, I don't, we don't generally have anybody under the age of like 40
0: (sighs) getting helps us out well that sounds young to me because i'm 60 but it's like yeah it's crazy (laughs) i I, wow this is you know it's funny talking to you because it like it breaks some of the perceptions or misperceptions that i had like i think i heard you mention on a podcast that a lot of times it's, they go after the the healthy, strong people. And in the movies, it's always a child or a frail old lady or, or, or something like that. You know, it's very, yes. it's very rarely a UFC fighter or, or MMA or whatever, you know, it's usually someone that's, I, I guess, cause that's more cinematic, but you, I think I heard you say that they would prefer someone a little more hearty that they could then have.
1: Absolutely, just Yes. A, uh, Somebody that can beat us physically. Because, see, they're not intending to come out of that physical body that they're in. And they know before we ever get there what it is we do. They know who we are, what we do. They know what they're facing. So, sure, they're going to fortify their team as best they can. If they can find a young Marine that knows has been taught how to kill, that's the best.
0: Well.
1: And that's that's strong. And we've gone up against those before. And I'm telling you, it's it's not fun. It's not fun because they will send out all the little tiny minions first to wear you down, and you'll have the biggest and baddest ones at the end hmm. when you're already so tired.
0: So, as an out of shape older guy, I'm safe pretty much, or you think, or what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, because if they don't have a young one that they can get in oh, that's God. not as weak minded, whatever, then they will go after oh, boy. whoever they can use for a host. So,
0: I have to tell you, I, I did something that's probably a faux pas. I uh, bought a Less than a week ago, I was picking up my daughter from community service. It was a graduation thing, and we passed this outdoor type of uh, flea market, yard sale type of thing. And I saw this nun doll being pulled out of a box, and I had her stop, and I had her go back. And, and I said, offer oh, $10. And she went back, and she said, oh, creepy doll. I don't want to do that. And she came back empty. No, she says she said 22. I said, here, give her 21. And so yeah. she went back, and she brought the, the – and it was a nun doll. It was a nun. It wasn't like creepy looking. It was very sweet. It wasn't like porcelain. Uh, it had a cross on it, and it's I, you know, you may tell me I've I've done stupid things, but I, I said, you, you know, wonder what her, the name would be, and so I did like I asked like a spirit talker app, and it said Genevieve, which is a very actually good saint uh, of, of I think she I think Saint Genevieve saved Paris. And was like a very good nun. So I'm hoping I mean I made a good choice here. But anyways, I, <laughs> I digress, but I saw like the nun doll. I know you're you're a bishop and you're but it's like I, I felt like compelled for it. So I, I'm I'm hoping I'm not like uh one of your next cases.
1: I hope not, but you know my number if it's. <laughs> I do,
0: yeah. And do you videotape these things or audio tape them or for recording oh, cases? Oh,
1: I do. Oh, right. I, do. I, I definitely record every single one of them because if there's ever, God forbid. If anything ever goes wrong and somebody were to get hurt, it's not going to be my word oh, against there. God, to get it's scared. a legal
0: thing. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well.
1: This, this is the here you go, police. This is exactly what happened. So that's why we do it. We don't share them with anybody else. Um, in fact, I have them sign a contract before we ever, ever go into it. They know that I'm going to tape it, and they know that I can and do sometimes. If we get a new person that's on our team, that's how I train them is to show them, you know, this is what we've gone up against. This is what's happened. You need to know what you're getting into. We don't share them with anybody else. It's not for entertainment by any means. And but that is that's how we, you know, can use for training in that before we take them into a situation like that.
0: So did you ever get on tape like someone like you see in the movies like walking up on the walls like a spider or levitating or anything like that or is it mostly just people saying things about you that they shouldn't know or speaking in a foreign tongue or having a lot of strength and being restrained
1: they have a lot of strength big time i have not seen anybody levitate i have not seen anybody walk up the walls yet but maybe that's due to the fact that we chain them down i don't know <laughs> wow. um, yeah.
0: I a, here sign I this release before we chain you down oh my god that's, that's that would be wow that, that would be cinematic <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, like I said, you know, we're, we're, we're old people here, you know, I mean, yeah, we can get hurt really easily. I tell them that all up front that, you know, would you have any problem for, you know, for our safety, if we chain you down to the chair and they have no problem with, they just want this thing out. Yeah. And that's, the, that's the right thing. I had one guy that if he wasn't chained down, probably would have killed us. At least one of us, if not more, um, Lord knows he was trying. Um, And then he kind of turned into a serpent, and he was weaving in the chair. If he had been on the floor, he would have slithered all over the floor. Definitely.
0: Oh, my God. Jeez.
1: Yeah. Uh, Not fun. Not good.
0: Now, when you are out walking out and about, your day off, you know, you're... Who knows what day you have off, if you have any days off. But Bishop Reeder, you're out of, in town. You're trying to be eating at a restaurant. Do you ever see someone across the room that you know 100% is possessed and they lock all eyes and then the they time. look all the time?
1: All the, all the time it oh happens. It's frightening. Sitting there, you're sitting there eating and, and you feel like somebody's staring at you. And I'll turn around and look and there's black eyes just boring a hole in me. <sighs> And I'm just like, go away. I'm just, I'm hungry. Leave me alone.
0: (laughs) What would you say, you know, I know it's very non-scientific, but what percent of the population would you say is possessed or obsessed? Or is there, is it in the single digits, the double, the teens? What would you think?
1: Personally, I think it's definitely growing. And I think a lot of that is due to the internet and also television um, and the movies and stuff like that. With all these challenges and stuff people put on, oh my gosh, I, I've had so many so much of that stuff happen. um i'm I'm gonna say I know when I started doing paranormal cases. I was quite young. I was, I, I mean, I was eleven was the first ones we did, but when I actually went out and started helping people, it was when I was sixteen. At that time, I remember reading something that said to run into an actual uh, demonic case, you had a probably a 5% chance in your lifetime of coming across a truly demonic case. Mm. And now I'd say we're up to about 75%.
0: Wow. I mean, but everybody, or if you're looking for it or you, people don't even know it, you mean they would just, they would, they would be unaware of it or.
1: It will eventually (sighs) make itself aware of it. A lot of times what the demonic does when they jump into somebody's body like that is they a lot of times they just, for the for all intents and purposes, they go to sleep. They push you aside. And you don't know what you did while you were out that time. There's a lot of people that say, well, my husband told me I did this or I said that and I, I have no memory of it. That is a, a textbook demonic case mm. of something that they do. Now, sometimes they will just push you aside and you just won't have any control over your faculties. You'll see what they're going to do. In fact, you saw that in one of the cases on the show was um, when it started out, she went down to the basement, Jen did, looking for her Aunt Deb, and Aunt Deb was standing on a stool with a noose around her neck, and she was about to step off of it when she was found. And when I asked her about that, she said, I knew what was happening. She said, I couldn't stop it. She said, "I had no control over my body and what what was happening." So she actually knew what it was doing. Most of them, it's 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 like they black out and go to sleep. She knew everything. She saw everything. She described everything. She just couldn't stop it.
0: Why are demons hell bent on destroying the uh, you know the? The body, you know, that they uh, they 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 possess versus using that body to go on a rampage against other people. It, it seems like they're always trying to, like, possess something and then kill it and then go on to the next but, one. Is that accurate? Yeah,
1: or? That's their whole that's their whole thing is to get rid of because mankind was made by God.
0: They okay. hate that. Right.
1: So they, this is, you know, against good and evil. To destroy the body is to destroy something God made. And that's exactly what they want.
0: So I I know we're getting up against a time. I just have like maybe three more questions, if that's okay. Sure. I I know you're religious and believe in the Bible. Reincarnation. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts of, uh, I know you believe in the afterlife. I assume you do. Any thoughts Mm -hmm. of reincarnation and past lives and having multiple lives that you live? Or do you think that's just your one time here as Bishop Rita, and then you go on to the next stage?
1: No, I, I absolutely believe in reincarnation. I know I've been here 23 times. This is my 23rd time. And
0: how how do you know that? I mean, I, I've had guests that talk about reincarnation. It's funny that, and I'm just interested in what your take is versus what I've heard other people say.
1: With me, it's it's cell memories, some cell memories. Um, I like I speak to my guides. Um, I've asked them questions about it. That a lot of the ways that I've died um, really do line up with what my fears are wow. in this lifetime. For me, it just made a lot of sense that we are given one soul by God. This is what I believe. Yep. That we are given one soul. And throughout all the lifetimes that you live, and I believe we are sent back here to learn certain lessons. And while we're here, we learn whatever. When we go back, our memory is wiped when we come down here. Once we pass over, I believe that you get all your memories back from all the different lifetimes. That's how our souls, I believe, evolve. By learning lessons and, and you know getting to that point where you're where you've got to, you know, there's so many people that have, there's so many things that, that need to be learned. But like one lifetime could be all about compassion, learning compassion for others or, you know, helping others. What is sin and what is not sin and, you know, just all kinds of things. This is what you're going to learn when you're down here this lifetime. Once you've learned all you can learn, then I believe that's when we're called home.
0: Now, um, you're, you're, you're much higher on the chain than I am. I'm, I'm a podcaster, you're a bishop, and you're helping people, and I'm talking to people about what they've been through. So do you feel like you're near the end of your line on uh, reincarnations, that you're pretty close to ascending to the next level?
1: I do believe that. Um, I've been told that this is my last time here. Um, by, now that by your spirit say, guide
0: or, or by an angel? Or?
1: Well, my, my spirit guide is my angel, is okay. an angel. Um, right. But yes, I— I I I believe that, but that now, you know, and like I, I always tongue in cheek, what I, I told my guide was, yeah, but they never said anything about sending me to a different planet.
0: <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I was going to, you know, that brings an interesting question. I always get the math question from the skeptics. One is like, uh, you know, uh, there were only, you know, there's like, whatever, 7 billion people here now. And how can there were only maybe a couple million thousands of years ago, how can these souls, how how can they multiply like that? And I, and my answer, and I wonder if it's the same as yours, is my answer is, well, that's assuming it's just, yeah, we're talking about this planet. There could be alternate realities. There could be other existences, parallel planes. There's all these different things. Then the math works out. And they're like, oh, okay, so... So, you okay, yeah. same thought. Okay, because I've yeah. run up to that a couple of times, and that's been my thought. It's like, if you think it's just, you know, like the yeah. the, <laughs> the sun revolves around the earth and we're the center of everything, and it's just this, yeah, the yeah. math is difficult. But if you have a broader view, you can kind of right. understand how things work out, so.
1: Exactly.
0: Yep. <laughs> well, this is great. I, uh, I I want to respect your time. Thank you so much for your time today. Want to tell us, is there, uh, I know the writer's strike is going on, and that probably affects uh, your show, uh, Eli Ross, uh, Legion of Exorcists. Do you know uh, when you may begin working? I know that no one knows for the strike, but are you, do you think to have another season come out of this, or what? Any any word on that?
1: No, we're hoping. Don't know. We're still under contract. I, I don't know the exact thing, but it's it's like a year or so, something like that after after the first airing or something like that, so that they they can recall you back, whatever. There's also there's like you said, the writers strike and the actors strike now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, My last question would be: When's the first time you saw a ghost or had an experience?
1: I was five. The first time it happened, and it was very traumatic for me at that point. But it actually is what put me on the trajectory of my entire life of doing paranormal investigation. I couldn't understand how something can talk that doesn't have a voice box. You know, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. And back then, because I'm, I'm about your age, I'm 59.
0: Yeah.
1: And back then, I mean, I tried in the school library, I tried to find anything I could on ghosts. I, I just, I had to know. The only thing I could find there was like uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost, yeah. and or Hans Holster books. So I read every Hans Holster book I could get my hands on. You know, it just was a lifelong quest to find out how this, you know, would happen. And then when I started actually doing investigations, I would get the craziest pictures. I mean, there's so many entities that would show up for me on camera, but I couldn't see them with my with my eyes. And that became my all consuming question then is how is it that my camera can see this, but I can't. Yeah. And so that, it just kept my interest in it. And, um, you know, I've been doing this for almost all my life.
0: So was it a ghost? Was it a shadow person you saw or was the thing? Okay. It was a
1: ghost. I didn't see the, what happened was, and I'll make this very brief was, uh, like I said, I was five and I lived up in Minnesota it was very hot. We had, we didn't have air conditioning up there. We had a a one box fan and my parents would put it in my room at night. My brother and I had a room and he was over by the door and I was over by the window and they would put it in the, in the doorway um, before they went to bed so that we could go to sleep. And then when they went to bed, they would take it out and take it to their room. Well, when they took it out, it woke me up and I'm just laying there sweating to death is, wishing for a breeze to come through there. And I start hearing footsteps coming down the hall. It's like really late at night. There's no lights on at all. So I knew my parents had gone to bed and I heard footsteps and I really didn't think too much of it because there's oftentimes they would come down and check on us in the night, see if we were okay. And so I just kind of expected that, you know, one of them would show up in the doorway and the footsteps came and they stopped in the doorway and there was nothing there. I couldn't see anything. And I remember to this day, my heart pounding out of my chest. I knew something was wrong and I was scared, but I didn't know why. And I just laid there. I was afraid to move. And it seemed like an eternity. It must have been just a few minutes. But all of a sudden, this old woman's voice came out and it sounded like loud, really loud to me. I I just and it said, you can't stay out of my piggy bank money. Okay, uh, first of all, I didn't even know what the hell a piggy bank was. Yeah. I had no clue. I dove under my covers and I was just terrified. And I never heard the footsteps go away and I never heard another thing. And we moved out of that house about two weeks later. Parents never heard a thing, and my brother never woke up.
0: Oh, uh, so you, you was your brother was in the room with you or in another room? Yeah,
1: he was Same in room. a different bed across the room, yeah. And yeah. he and it was right by the door. He never heard nothing. So what I, I came to finally realize was that was for me to hear. That was they were opening me up is what I think. And I it scared me so bad. I shut all my any of my gifts down. Of course, I didn't know that I did, but I did it because it, I was about 50 when I started opening up again.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah, I gotta tell you, you mentioned fifty nine. Hold on to that because I'll tell you, being sixty one, I never thought fifty nine would be an age I'd want to like say I was. <laughs> but I <laughs> now it's like once you cross the sixty border, it's like you want to go back to fifty nine. Is my twenty nine now, so that's a great enjoy yep. this year. Have a have a good time with it, you know. So um, yep. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I can. Last thing I'll tell you is yeah, I had a. I didn't realize it. And I never thought about it, but I had like a shadow experience when I was like four, I was in a room with my brothers and sister at the youngest. And, uh, I, you know, opened my eyes and I saw like this black silhouette looking over me. Oh I my closed goodness. my eye. And then the next morning I woke up and I said, dad, did you beat up the burglar that was in the room?" And he looked at me like I was crazy. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, but I know it was vivid and I know it was real. And I, and I yeah. never pieced it together. And I just said, it, you know, with most paranormal things, people are like, ah, who knows, you know? So I just kind of cast it aside. And and now I'm- and
1: especially at that age, you know, because parents aren't going to tell you, yeah, you saw a ghost. They're not going to tell you that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So who knows? Well, thank you. So, is there anything you would like to to plug or, or tell people as a closing message, Bishop Reeder, about how to get a hold of you? You probably get enough calls as it is, uh, where to watch your show, any appearances that you have coming up.
1: You can find me on Facebook. I'm I'm on Facebook under Bishop Rita Stragala. I'm the uh, uh, chief exorcist for the sword of St. Michael. I'm also the chief exorcist for confraternity of St. Michael, the archangel. All of those have pages on Facebook. You can find me at any of those or on my personal page. I also have started ever since the show, I have started a exorcism school for women.
0: Ah, that's great. You got to spend at least a minute explaining that. That'd be wonderful. If you could.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, what happened was is, is and it was funny, kind of funny the way it turned out was when the first show came out uh, my best friend saw it and she was talking to her friends in another circle i mean i i'm acquaintances with these people but i they're i don't know them know them she was talking to them about the show cuz they all watched it and they hated it and so she called me up to let me know that her friends hated it and it hurt my feelings i'm not going to lie it hurt my feelings i've been working on this for 2 years yeah and um, and so I, I was really like heartbroken. I was just like, you know, my gosh. And so when I, I went into meditation and I asked my guys, I said, if it's this show is that bad, why did you want me to do this? And all I heard was you will understand. Mm. That great. So next day I start getting emails from other women going, Oh, my gosh, I've got the same calling as you. You don't know how happy I was to see you on TV. You've got to tell me how did you break through? This is a male dominated. They won't let you. The church won't let you. How did you get through? And that's when I knew when he said, you will understand. I thought, okay, you're wanting me to bring other women to the ministry. And so that's what I did. I started a school of exorcism for women. The inaugural group is, is in fact, they're in school tonight, and they will be graduating in February of this coming year, and then I will be making them a priest. I will, as a bishop, I can do that. So I will be ordaining them priests, and they will be able to do their own exorcisms and have the church backing
0: so so if someone feels that they have a calling, they should check out your Facebook page and say, when's yeah. round two happening? Okay. All right. Yes. Great. Yes.
1: Contact me and let me know. And, and I'll ask you some questions because I want to make sure it really is your calling. If you just think you want uh, you know, a, a cool title, trust me, it's not cool. Yeah. It's I, not I, a cool title.
0: <laughs> and I will tell you from a guy who's watched your show, it's a good show, but – the only one of the Legion of Exorcists I remember is you and it's because I thought, wow, it's a woman among all men and man, she's very composed and look she, you were the one that I remembered and it's just like if you see okay. an ad for that show, I think for some reason you're the one that I I recall and I think you're right. maybe your uh, garden angels are correct that it is sending a strong message that this is a place where women should should be you know and yeah. quite frankly women are protectors anyway, so why not you know so right. I think it makes sense.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time, Bishop Rita. I look, I'll you have a new fan. I'll continue to follow you. And uh, who knows? I mean, I hope I don't end up a client, but hopefully we, we <laughs> meet each other at some point. <laughs> Positive five situation in the future.
1: I hope so. That would be great. Thank you so much for all your time.
0: And listening to the afraid of nothing podcast please subscribe and like us on Facebook until next time stay scared hey you're still here great then why not listen to another episode visit afraid com to peruse all the shows that's afraid of com and while you're there, Click the coffee cup icon to buy me a coffee and leave a review. I'll give you a shout out in an upcoming episode. And the world will know how swell you are.